0: 2023 has had its ups and downs writers and actors went on strike superheroes crashed and burned and barbie went full nuclear at the box office on this show though we wrap up the year a little differently we like to take a bunch of people subject them to the worst the year had to offer and see if they survive we're a little sadistic but don't worry, we all live to talk about it right here on the latest edition of Grading
1: on a Curve. What is up everyone?
0: Welcome to the end of year special that is Grading on a Curve right here on the It's Not That Bad podcast channel, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. It has been a hell of a year for films the movie theaters are back open the writers and the actors are getting paid so that's a good thing and yet still we have a bunch of movies to talk about because as much good as there was there was also a little bit less good and that's what we're doing here on this special grading on a curve we're taking a look at some of the worst films that 2023 served up for us to ingest and here and I can't believe they all agreed once I told them what the movies were to join us. We have a litany of guests. Starting off with my lovely wife, Carrie. Carrie, how are you how do you keep coming back for these specials?
2: <laughs> I haven't learned. I'm very slow <laughs> when it comes to that. Um, yeah, you know what? I, I was hopeful. Um but uh, maybe next year will be better.
0: See, let this be a lesson to you. all, you All you people who are going to get married in the future, make sure you read the fine print in the marriage contract. She didn't, and now she has to watch these movies. So you're welcome. Now, people who haven't, had to, you know, read the fine print of the contract, but yet still showed up anyways. We're going to start off with Carson Elcombe. You'll remember him from the Days of Thunder episode of It's Not That Bad. Carson, welcome to the show. Your first actual greeting on a curve special. How you doing, man?
3: Uh, how can you not be good when you get invited on to the best podcast on the internet? Like, how can you not be? I mean, your choices and movies that I had to see in that email were you know nauseating (laughs) you know what you do it you do it for the grind and uh it's not a better place to be than right here with uh with you guys so i'm so excited and all at the same time so incredibly depressed to go through this uh (laughs) this gradient on a curve well i don't know if i would say we're the best podcast out there because
0: we're also joined by peter from the movie duel podcast pete welcome to your first gradient on a curve special how are you
4: doing man I'm doing really well. I mean after you know, you, you christened Speed Two as uh shawarma. <laughs> <you> know, <I've, laughs> I, I, I have feel the like best I'm words not, not only in the entire contents of a Schwama restaurant, but I've taken up residence in a shawarma district of town and engorged myself for the last week. I, I was about to say
0: since the release of that episode, uh, I have to say that it is actually one of the most listened to episodes of recent memory. <laughs> and I now wonder if someone's going to open a shawarma um, fast food place. And if they do, we want to cut. Yeah, we do. Definitely. And coming back for another round of grading on a Curve, Lal Rabajah is back. Lyle, welcome back to the show. How are you doing?
5: Happy to be back. Uh, like I was saying, I had to watch all of these movies in about four or five days, so I feel like this is the culmination of a journey I've been on, and it's going nowhere but down. So I am I am excited to be here, but tired. And I'm going to watch something really good tonight to cleanse the palate. If you ever
0: wonder what it feels like to have those like you know fear and loathing in Las Vegas style fever dreams, I'm sure Lyle's experiencing that right now after speed running his way through all five of these films.
5: Yeah. And uh, it is bad country. I did not want to stop. But at the same time, I didn't want to keep going. It was a strange limbo to uh, to get all these in in such a quick time.
3: Was it kind of like something where you were like, I don't want to have to allocate any more time than just one day to going through all of these? Like, this is the time that's set aside. I do not want to deal with any more of it afterwards.
5: Yeah. See, part of me wanted to do that. And I was like, okay, on Friday, I'm just going to get up in the morning really early. I didn't have to work. I'll just marathon it, and then I got through two of them, and I was like, I, I, I cannot do this. I, I physically just can't. My body will break down more than it already has, and I'll just cease to be. So I had to take it in a short bites, and then by the end of it, when it came down uh, to the, to the final one, it was it was a bit of a slog. It was a bit of a have to pump myself up for it and just do it. You can do this.
0: I think if you had to do all five films in a row, you'd have to go full Clockwork Orange and be strapped to the chair with the toothpicks holding your eyes open. Yeah.
2: I fully agree. On the flip side, I started my assignment early. About two weeks ago, I started watching some of the movies and I got through two of them, not saying which ones. And then I kind of put it off. I put it (laughs) off as far as I could. And then did my crash watch last night.
0: (laughs) There may have been therapy sessions in between.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, it can't get worse. It can't get worse. Okay. <laughs> so it next? always,
5: it always can. It seems every time <laughs> I think that he throws another email out and I'm like, oh, it gets worse. Awesome.
2: I, I kept trying to think, I, I wonder what kind of excuse I could use that Jay would buy. Um, but uh...
5: I mean, oh, let me put it this way.
0: Every time you send me a text that says, I'm sorry, I'm dead. Uh, my response is always, <laughs> well, how are you texting me? And then she's like, damn, spoiled I- again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've teased our listeners enough to this point because we've talked about how bad some of these films are, but you don't know what films we're actually going to be talking about. So let us it's time now to meet our contestants in the Pentagon of Pain.
1: Take the diaper off of Baby New Year because it's time to give 2023 a rightfully deserved spanking for delivering us our competitors in the Pentagon of Pain. Our first contestant is a horror film that tells the story of what happens when you let your intellectual property expire. It's the children's story you reserve for when your kids really mess up. Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Next up, it's a film that's less a tale about a woman walking into pregnancy and motherhood on her own terms, and more a 90 minute cinematic form of birth control. You're invited to the donor party. Our third contestant is one part natural born killers, one part Baba Duke, and one part porn production in the crap cannoli recipe that is Johnny and Clyde. Our fourth contestant answers the question of, can John Voight offend an entire nation with his accent? You'll have to ask the Scottish about that after watching Mercy. And finally, a movie that has Mel Gibson as a cop, who's all out of good dialogue to give. Hey Siri, can you take all of cinema's cop cliches and make them into a script? Because I think you already did, and it's called Confidential Informant.
4: We're here to rank
1: films and chew bubblegum, and we are right out of bubblegum. Let the ranking of the rank begin.
2: Can I just say that was perfection. The diaper off
1: of Baby New Year.
5: first
0: line had me yeah oh man man. it's a good thing that you guys have mute on your microphones because that is always so much fun to put together but now it's time to get into this so here's what we're going to do we are about to go through the five movies that we just listed Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey The Donor Party Johnny and Clyde Mercy and Confidential Informant luckily we don't have to stretch to find good things to say about these films we can actually speak our minds on this one because what we're going to do is we're going to rank these films in amongst themselves what that means is that out of these five we all have to sit there and say one of them is the best of the five so the lower the number the higher the ranking so the number one film will be the best of the crap and the number five really had to suck balls to get that ranking and then at the end of the show we're going to tally everything get an aggregate score and see which of these five films is the best of the worst of 2023 and we start with winnie the pooh blood and honey starring Nikolai leon maria taylor natasha rose mills amber doig thorne danielle ronald natasha Tassini holoquois, and Mae Kelly and I apologize if I mess up any names at all with any of these actors. Remember, I'm an idiot in a basement with a microphone. The film was written and directed by Reese Frake Waterfield and was made possible because Winnie the Pooh entered the public domain in 2022. Now, it had to be the Winnie the Pooh that was depicted in the original A.A. Milne storybooks, not the Disney version from the 60s. The budget for this film is an Exceedingly exorbitant, $100,000. That's it. Domestically, it grossed $1.7 million and worldwide grossed $4.9 million. So, hey, it brought in some money. Debuted on the February 17th long weekend in theaters, placing 13th. Of course, the number one film that weekend was Mania. It debuted with a $120 million box office. The meta score for this film is sixteen. And then went over to Rotten Tomatoes. The audience score is right down the middle of fifty percent, and the Tomatometer, a paltry three percent. So we're going to start across the pond with Peter. How are you ranking <laughs> Winnie the Pooh?
4: And what did you think of this film? Well, we're starting high with me because this was my number one. Wow! Really? Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this I just felt I thought it was a bunch of fun. I just, you know, I mean, horror, slashes, it's right in my wheelhouse. Um, I was avoiding it because it did look incredibly trashy, and it is incredibly trashy. Um, But I think it really was the only film on this list that knew it was a pile of poo. Excuse the pun. Um, (laughs) Oh, bother. (laughs) (laughs) um, But at the same time, you know, it feels like it's the only film that's made with a bit of passion as well. He's like, you know, I think he... Uh, the guy who made it is, is, is obviously a big horror fan and and just wanted to make a film. And, you know, it's the, the kills and the gore are really, really gnarly, really well done. You've got eyes popping out. The machete through the mouth was a particular favourite of mine. Um, I mean, it's, you know, it's got a, a hell of a lot of plot holes, like how can Winnie the Pooh drive a car? Um, how can people hear screams? But not the car engine revving um how has winnie the pooh got access to chloroform um <laughs> <laughs> you know and the, the performance is slightly below your average sort of slasher cast um but you know there's elements of it the first five minutes the, the animation at the start i thought was really well done um it had this sort of nice little touch to it that these were um sort of depicted as abominations rather than just cuddly sort of animals, and you get this impression that Christopher Robbins sort of glossed over his own memory of them. Um, and I think, unfortunately, the, the Winnie the Pooh element sort of distract from it being a really good horror. Well, not a really good horror, but a decent horror. Um, but it's also, it would be nothing without it. It wouldn't have a, a unique selling point to it. Um, so I don't think this film can really win in that sense. Um, but yeah, I just I just had a lot of fun with it.
0: I mean, not to spoil anything about the other films, but as far as Rotten Tomatoes' critic score goes, this film has the highest critic score of the five. So I'm actually kind of not surprised that it's your number one. Uh, I'm going to jump in on this one here. I'm going to let you know that it's my number three, actually. A couple of things actually surprised me about this one. Not the fact that it's a Winnie the Pooh horror film, because we kind of saw that one coming. By the way, there is a second Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey movie coming out and the mm. same writer and director is now putting together Neverland nightmare. Cause I guess that IP is coming up. So yeah. expect all of your childhood memories to become nightmares. I guess. And, uh, I believe nightmares. he's doing Bambi as well. Oh dear God. <laughs> if, if Bambi and the deer hunter get crossed, I, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. But I will say this. Unlike most horror films, and as we were watching this, um, it was very much the you know oh you you had a drink you're going to die oh you 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 were mean to someone you're going to die like the very much like the horror movie rules, but really, I was surprised that we didn't have a final girl in this one uh, that caught me off guard. Um, by the way, spoilers if you haven't watched Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, but. I was surprised we didn't have your typical final girl scenario, how Christopher Robin was allowed to be able to leave and flee and live in horror while Winnie the Pooh is still out there. That's actually a fascinating angle. And I will give this film props to the cinematography. I thought it was actually very well shot. um, So kudos to that one. Lyle to you, Winnie the Pooh, what'd you got?
5: Oh man. Um, Kind of the same thing. It's my number three as well. I'm in the middle of the road here. And I kind of agree with what you both just said. It's wasted potential. As a fan of comic books, I love taking a character and making them something completely different and using the kind of cornerstone pieces to push the story forward. I think there was a huge amount of potential with this. When it got announced, I was one of the few people that was actually kind of excited because I was like, you know what? Sure, we are looking for more creative and different stuff nowadays. Let's give Winnie the Pooh a knife and see what happens. But it does. It's a good horror movie it just has Winnie the Pooh dashed in it, but not enough to make you want to tune in to see what happens. Yes, we see Eeyore's grave, and obviously we have the hilarious looking anthropomorphic uh, Pooh and Piglet, who is apparently a wild boar now and not a regular pig because he's got tusks. And it's just, it's so close to being something really, really cool. If they just leaned into the Winnie the Pooh a little bit more, it is well shot. And I do like the fact that Christopher Robin survives to the end i even kind of like the the notion that they're angry that he left them and just didn't come back as anybody would be you've got this friend that's there forever then all of a sudden he just disappears one day and then shows up x amount of years later and completely forgets your existence it's all the pieces are there they just don't click correctly to me i really think this could have been something very special maybe if they didn't only have a hundred thousand dollar budget that might have something to do with it but just like you said really a decent and good horror movie just didn't lean into its premise enough for me.
0: I mean, I, I get that. And the other thing too, I have to keep in mind is that, um, you know, as you're watching this and you, you have to remember that's a hundred thousand dollar budget. Can you imagine someone going, yeah, I'm going to take Winnie the Pooh and turn it into a horror film because I can give me money. um, <laughs> Really? Okay. Uh, but the other thing too, is that once something succeeds, Hollywood won't let it go. So you have to think that there's going to be a number of uh, films down the road. Again, we've mentioned Bambi horror film, Peter Pan style horror film. Like, you know, it's just going to get done and overkilled. I wonder if that's going to make Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey look better or worse in retrospect. But really, only time can tell on that one. Carrie, we're going to go to you. Winnie the Pooh, how to do for you?
2: Wow, this was my five-
0: what? Oh okay.
2: so wow. here's the disclaimer that horror is not my genre, typically. Um, I actually I find I, I'm I'm kind of looking back, I'm reflecting back on to watching it because I didn't think at all that it was beautifully shot or really well produced. I kind of likened it more to like, Blair Witch, or like, it just seemed very campy, quite literally, because they were, you know, a thousand acres woods in the camp, but it, it just, I don't know, like, it, it, it was so textbook, it, it, it it checked all the checks of horror movie cliches, um, and I I don't know, I, I, I think I would have been more impressed if they had more like a cocaine bear, like had like an actual (laughs) bear (laughs) as Winnie the Pooh. Like when it was first announced, I was excited about it. Um, I had grown up with the stories and, you know, Christopher Robin and Winnie the Pooh and all of his friends that had their own unique, you know, intricacies. But um, I thought this was just awful. Like it, it, really didn't sit well with me. I think it was kind of like taking a property from my childhood and making it something horrific and awful. And I I just didn't enjoy it at all. I'm sorry. (laughs) It was not my favorite.
0: I mean, I'll give it credit because you know the idea of the Christopher Robin revenge—that makes sense to me. I will think I I do think that the 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 girl side plot as well, and this is basically just fodder for their sadistic killing spree. Mm. Um, I think if they leaned more into the we're going to seek our revenge against Christopher Robin rather than just have these dual storylines and just you know. Know, in the line of fire might have streamlined the storyline a bit but again that's just you know beauty of hindsight carson to
3: you winnie the pooh oh the theming of this is you have something in public domain and you completely misrepresent it and how it should be done like you have the opportunity to do something that no one else has really been able to with such a large ip and you completely missed the mark on what it should have been. And I agree with nearly all of you in so many aspects. And Jay, just to piggyback what you most recently said, the whole, like, uh the group of the girls going through for their, like, camping cottage story arc was horrendous. Horrendous. It was not needed. It was entirely there for the sake of being, oh, this is what a campy horror movie is, and this is what it's going to be here. And I mean... I just, I can't get over either how they looked, to be quite honest. It was something that I, like on $100,000, that was what you had to do. And that's what you could do. But I can't help but think that I just feel like I was watching Michael Myers dressed as like great value, no name brand Winnie the Pooh characters, (laughs) to be quite honest with you. Like, I want you to lean into the IP. I know there's certain things that Disney still has copyright on, and one of them is, like, the red shirt and, like, the stereotypical kind of version you see Winnie the Pooh and his characters. Um, But it's just missing... It sounds weird for a campy, unfortunate horror movie, but it's, like, missing the heart in it of being like, (laughs) I grew up on Winnie the Pooh, I want to make this film, but instead I just make... A stereotypical slasher horror movie and put them in spirit of Halloween, $15 Winnie the Pooh costumes. Um, and I'll say it right off. This is only my three, though. So that says a lot, I feel, that this is only the three slot. And I mean, I mean, you guys said it like before, too. I mean, Piglets now is weird boar thing. I feel like you could have taken this in the direction of it being solely focused on Christopher Robin and like get out of the weird. Like Why are you in a factory? That's another thing where I'm like, why is that there? I feel like a cooler storyline, even on the hundred thousand could have been like them leaving the forest instead to go find Christopher Robin and like going after his family. And until like it finds him or something like you just needed to buy into the Winnie the Pooh aspect more than you did for what it really was, because all it was, was a marketing ploy to me at this point was to get butts and seats.
0: I, I can see that. And I will say, too, uh, it has been a couple of days since Carrie has actually wanted to have any honey in her tea as well after watching this film because <laughs> <laughs> no one should ever eat honey that way. It's it, you, well, you, You'll be turned off honey forever.
2: I completely agree about the costuming, right? It's like it almost would have been even better if he was wearing like a furry costume, like with a one hundred percent bear head. I like, you know, like, I
5: like your idea. Give me a bear. Like just animate a bear and turn it's, it yellow. Anything. That's what I would have wanted. Yep. Anything because yeah. there's one scene I remember where they're running through a field and it shows the guy in the bear costume like running at a full sprint and you can see like the fat suit going in different directions <laughs> and his body is like it just. Also, one thing for me that this movie didn't do that should have done, and I feel like this is a gimme and they didn't take it. You had all the opportunity in the world. Show me what a heffalump looks like. Show me what a <laughs> Woozle looks like. You have a horror movie. And you don't do that in the Winnie the Pooh universe? That was one thing I walked away with, like, kind of upset about. Well, My maybe...
2: expectation. Sorry, Carrie, all you go. Sorry, maybe the second movie. You know, we have to s- spread it out a little bit, you know.
3: That's true. That's true. <laughs> 100%. And, There's I mean, hope. I'm excited for the fact that, I don't know if you guys saw, but, I mean, Steamboat Willie's Mickey Mouse, up next year, October of twenty four. So I'm just oh, saying,
4: <laughs>
3: I don't know what Disney's going to do there. They're losing a lot of rights. I mean, the good news now is I think Tigger is able to be in this second one because at the time of production for the first one, he wasn't in the public domain yet. I think he yeah. is now at like yeah, the they've... time
4: of this. They've released some uh, some stills of uh, of the Tigger character from the second one. Uh, there it? you go. No way. They actually have brutal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh
5: goodness, I, he's my favorite. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't know if I want to watch that and see him get completely lambasted. He looks. That. It
4: looks. He looks very Island of Doctor Moreau. Oh no! And long story <laughs> short, I would have
3: much rather seen like a stuffed animal Winnie the Pooh from like the Christopher Robin movie holding a knife with his other buddies than what I watched for an hour and twenty five minutes.
0: I will say the countdown clock now is also on for the character of Superman. Although that being said, Brightburn exists. So I think we already know what that's going to look like, but let's move on to our next contestant here. The donor party starring Malin Ackerman, Rob Corddry, Jerry O'Connell, Aaron Hayes, and Bria Henderson. The film is written and directed by Tom Harp. It's actually his first film as a director. There was no budget or box office or Metacritic listed on this film. However, of all the films, This movie has the highest audience score over on Rotten Tomatoes at 64%. But I kind of already spoiled it when it comes to the critic score. The film has a 0% tomatometer. So I think it only fair that we have to start with Carrie on this one. The Donor Party... How did you rank it?
2: I'm frightened because <laughs> it's my number one.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it. You know what? This is a quintessential very Carrie movie. It was. It had. It. It met all the criteria. It was stupid funny. It was raunchy and fun from the start to the finish and it was just like this movie had me guffawing at certain points and when I was watching it I was visiting my parents I had my um my headphones on so the room is completely silent and I would chuckle I would just like <laughs> burst into laughter at one point the um Jeff Goldblum look-alike. I had tears <laughs> running down my cheeks, and here I'm trying not to, like, guffaw and uh, have my parents worry for me. Um, yeah, uh, it it was... You know what? It, do I agree with the subject matter? No, I don't. It, it was quite awful, really. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I had fun with it. I don't know. I... You know, the concept was completely deceitful, really bad, really, really a a bad idea, uh, but I thought it was executed well and it made me laugh, so.
0: Well, if I'm going to quote Hawkman out of Black Adam, even a bad idea is still an idea and we got a movie out of it. Lyle, to you, the donor party.
5: Um, It's five. It's a big old five. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, I could not, like, this was difficult to get through. Uh, The concept right from get-go is obviously just flawed in general. Like, I want to get pregnant. Don't have a husband. Let's trick someone into a child. Let's do that. Uh, The whole thing is based on a plot hole. You're inviting three acquaintances of friends over to this party in hopes that one of them will get you pregnant, and you're just banking on the fact you're never going to see these people again. Like, download Tinder, dude. That's what that's for. There's a whole app for this now. Uh, it was it was a difficult get through a lot of the jokes didn't land for me uh a lot of crapping on a lot of bad situations that real life people are put into not saying it's offensive it's it's too bad to be offensive like people would have to hold it to some esteem for it to be offensive i think it is funny at times and i do agree that jeff goldblum look like is is probably the highlight for me he is quite funny but i just couldn't i couldn't get into it this was a five for me it's the only one that i didn't enjoy for being so bad it's good out of the lot so that's why it lands at five for me
3: all right carson you're up carrie i'm going with you on this one this is a two for me this was the second
5: best out of the bunch here
3: for me and for a multitude of reasons i like obviously if you've this was also the one i will preface i watched last so i had four movies of garbage to get into later <laughs> before we got to this. And this was the one that I was like, you know what? I can't get behind it. Cause it is objectively horrendous in numerous ways. And it gives me such the vibes. Like if this came out in like 2002, this would have been like a healthy box office of people going to see like this style of a raunchy comedy. And I mean, it just kind of puts a, such a strange message on so many factors, I mean, Lyle, you said it too, it's like, can you really be offended by something that's so insurmountably awful, like, but I get that it's inherently problematic in so many aspects, you know what, but the part of it that gets me is like, there was points I was able to at least laugh at it, and that's more than I can say for the other four movies on, the other three I should say movies on here, and you know what, out of everything I watched during that week, that was definitely one of the highlights and one of the ones I didn't believe being like, Jason just wasted an hour and a half of my <laughs> life entirely. I was like, he only wasted like 40 minutes of my life. So that's number two for me. I think there's some great parts in it that you can take away. Not great, but some, you know,
4: <laughs>
3: above average aspects you can take and making me laugh during the st- like stages of movies I watched. But uh, definitely not something I will ever think about or rewatch again.
0: Carson, I'm with you on this one. This is actually my number two as well. Um, It needs to be pointed out that this is a film about a woman who is, you know, bumps into her ex and, you know, and his wife and they have a kid kind of thing. And, you know, she wanted to have kids and they never had kids kind of thing. It was just like one of those wrong moments in their life that, you know, he didn't realize he wanted to have kids. So they have this brilliant idea over booze to hold basically a party where she's going to hook up with three random people so she has the best of all sperm in order to be able to make a baby not a good idea not a good idea at all the thing is you have a a film where you could sit there and say well it's kind of female empowerment but it's also written by a dude so i get it but i i will agree with all of you there were some really good laughs in this in this movie some good moments um Rob Corddry is just a gem anytime he's on the screen because he feels like all of us. Like he just wants to get out of that party as much as the rest of us do. And I think if they had let Rob Corddry loose a little more, it would have fared a little bit better, but that also would have taken away from Alan Ackerman's story. So I get it. It's not horrible. It's not a 0%, that's for sure, and it is my number two film. Peter, we land to you for the donor party. Uh,
4: well, this was right in the middle for me. This was my number three um, I didn't find it overly funny. There was a couple of points where I did sort of laugh a little bit. um, But I was just so distracted throughout the whole film. It's got this really bad sort of stock music score that plays over loads of the dialogue, especially in the opening scene. Um, and, you know, I'm all for sort of bawdy sex comedies, but I found this a little bit sort of regressive, um, very cookie-cutter. You know, the, you got the, the lesbian character that's dressed like... Doctor Who, Uh, you've got this sort of kept woman who's letting loose uh, because she's had a a drink spiked. I don't think anybody who had anything to do with the making of this film has ever taken ecstasy or been around anybody who's taken ecstasy because it, 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 yeah, it was just a really bad representation of that. But it also sort of sets this moral out of, you know, if you do drugs, you'll realize that you're boring and be a bit more interesting. Um, like a lot of you have said, I think the Jeff Goldblum impressionist was the best thing about this film. Um, although, I don't know whether I missed the reference earlier on in the film, but, you know, I didn't realise that she was so up on Jeff Goldblum that she'd sleep with a man who does a really good impression of him. Um, but yeah, I mean, the only reason really it doesn't sit lower for me was uh, I watched it on a channel called Freevie. Uh, which is one of those free with ads um, sort of services over here. Uh, and it had Domino's pizza adverts every 20 minutes. So that was nice. <laughs> okay. Did, and, you,
0: did you get the Domino's pizza though?
4: Uh, no, I didn't know. There's not one near me. So I just had to sort of drawl and uh, and look at the screen. Um, but I, one of the points I did laugh, I think it's the husband sort of husband character of the film uh, where somebody asks him what he's giving up for Lent and he says, I'm just giving up. <laughs> that i i'll give the script
0: credit there are some of those one-liners in there and i don't know how much of it was maybe improv on the spot because we all know rob cordry is is a very funny actor um so i'd be curious to see you know how much of it was improv on the spot and how much of it is just all in the script because there are some moments where they are good guffaw type moments And then we get to our next film. Johnny and Clyde stars Megan Fox. And I'm going to mess up some of these names. I recognize this. So please bear with me here. Avon Georgia. I hope I got that right. A Johnny Russell, Tyson Ritter, Bai Ling, Garrow, and Robert Lozardo. And if you are a wrestling fan, look very, very, very closely. Because one of the guards... One of Megan Fox's guards in this film is former WWE and ECW wrestler (laughs) Tommy Dreamer. The film was directed by Tom DiNucci and written by DiNucci and Nick Principe. There is no budget or box office listed. The audience score over on Rotten Tomatoes sits at 27% with a very, very round 0% tomatometer. And since I mentioned wrestling, I'm going to pop right on over to Lyle there. Johnny and Clyde, how do you have it ranked?
5: It's my number two. I won't- <laughs> <laughs> it's complete nonsense, but I love complete nonsense. So I was actually quite at home here. It feels like a discount suicide squad. That's, that's what it, it right down to Johnny and Clyde, basically just being two trips to the makeup chair away from being the Joker and Harley Quinn. It's very, very similar. So I was, I was along from the ride from the beginning. It's, it's such nonsense, especially once you get toward the end and, and, the magical casino security Bounty Hunter shows up, which did, was not on my bingo card for this one at all. Uh, loved the drunk cop who's trying to get revenge for his daughter. Uh, it's it's so bad. It's good. And in the best possible way. I think uh, I'm not going to watch it again, obviously. I'm not going to go buy the Blu-ray collector's edition of it or anything. But this one for me was the one that I had some of the most genuine fun uh, sitting and watching. Some really good liners. I loved Candle. Uh, the guy that they went to, whose house they went to first to kind of recruit their little their little posse. Uh, loved the fact that the guy they broke out of the insane asylum just immediately blows himself up. Just the first thing he has to do, he explodes himself. Uh, it was fun. It's my number two. I think uh, Megan Fox, not, not necessarily Oscar winning in this one. Just the big name for the sake of being the big name. But uh, so bad it was good. So bad it was my number two.
0: No Oscar, but she may get the trash can for this one as well. Uh,
3: Carson, Johnny and Clyde. I wanted to smash my head against a wall (laughs) during the entirety of this movie. You know what? People are like, no, we're going for the style over substance. This did neither. Like, this was, if you and you said it great yourself, and I thought the same, the Discount Suicide Squad trying to be as visually appealing as a Chad Stahelski, John Wick, while trying to have the action of, like, I could say John Wick again without doing anything positive, um it is ridiculous. It's ridiculous on paper and on screen, it's a bonkers movie that kind of starts off as a stylized crime thriller with like zany characters and like bombastic costume choices but it lacks depth it's hollow it's an imitation of far better movies Like get that's what it's trying to go for um it's just horrendous i cannot get past any moment in this movie and there's this one particular scene that keeps coming to mind and i can't even remember which character it was I want to say, let me pull it up. I had the cast up, but not even going to bother. Not even going to bother because it doesn't <laughs> even matter. Um, where blood splats onto this guy's face in like this red corner. And it looks like they put a red backlight on a guy's bedroom wall and then threw paint at him. And it was the most disgustingly awful thing I have witnessed. That there was por- like portions where I'm like, do I just pretend I watched this whole movie and tell Jason that I did? Like, <laughs> it went through my mind. Long story short, this is a five. This is the number five. No negotiation on my part. I'm over it. I never want to look at the poster again. Oh, wow. So, so tell me how you really feel. I mean, you know,
4: really. Yeah, <laughs> that right? Honestly. All right, Peter, Johnny and Clyde. Well, I thought this was a hot mess, and I'm not just talking about Megan Fox. Um, this was... I kind of agree with what Carson said. It's well, I'm Lyle in a way. I mean, yeah, it was just it was just such a film of two halves, really. It was quite interesting in the beginning when it's this sort of natural born killers meets I don't know what. Um I couldn't really figure out who this film was aimed at. Um but there's lots of really lazy exposition, you know, you've got dreams and news reports that start telling you the story. The script's awful. Um, I really enjoyed Avon Jogia.
3: I
0: think that's um, how you pronounce it. But I mean... Jogia. <laughs> yeah,
4: um, I see him as
3: Leon Kennedy in the Resident Evil movie. That was also awful.
4: But <laughs> <laughs> well, I really, I thought he was really good. He really hit the sort of tone of the film. He was a believable sort of psychopath. Had these really cool lenticular school glasses, um, and but Ajani uh, Russell was just awful. She didn't seem to have she couldn't convey any kind of emotion on her face whatsoever through this film. Um, And Tyson Ritter seems to be doing some kind of knockoff Crispin Glover character as well. Um, But it was, it was, it was fun, I suppose in the first half, it was nice to see Vanessa Angel and, and Bay Ling. They were sort of quite welcome little additions to this film, Um, but it just loses its way once you get to the, to the hotel and the, um, as I put in my notes, the ghost of Christmas crap turns up and uh, wreaks havoc.
0: All right, so what have you got this ranked as?
4: Uh This was my
0: number two. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And Carrie, <laughs> Johnny and Clyde.
2: Yeah, I absolutely agree with so many points. It's my number two pick as well. And I love the... I love comparing it to Suicide Squad because when I watched it, I was like, okay, it's kind of like Natural Born Killers with like, I don't know, I was trying to think of another example, maybe like Formula 51 where you've got these like over-the-top baddies, like this motley crew of just the worst of the worst. Um, And they all kind of band together. And uh, yeah, like that moment where Megan Fox had them all kind of trapped in the casino and she's like the money's in the basement if you can get to it it's yours and I was like well that's an interesting turn I didn't expect that coming and then of course the casino guard (laughs) I was like whoa what like this, this this movie took a way way unexpected turn like what is that even um but you know what all in all it was enjoyable out of the lot it was Again, my number two. It was the movie that uh, I didn't hate watching. I didn't enjoy it, but it was certainly better than others. So (laughs) I'll give it uh, the second place.
0: I I don't even know you anymore. (laughs) Carson, I'm kind of with you on this one here. Uh, First of all, this is my number four film. First of all, I could not get over the fact that it looked like this film was shot on video as opposed to everything else that was shot on film, or at least at a different frame rate. It took me a bit to get over that. And the, you know, apparently discount sale at the color gel shop for the lighting, because everything was in color. But that being said, there is a silver lining for this film, and all you have to do is change a couple things. You could take the exact same script, the exact same chain of events in this film, change the music to more of a comedy tone. And I think Johnny and Clyde is almost an interesting comedic parody of natural born killers in that they're kind of making fun of the idea of a Mickey and Mallory, as opposed to trying to want to be Mickey and Mallory. Mm. I think if had they gone down the more comedy road with this script, it's almost like it was written to be comedy. And then someone, you know, messed it up in editing and thought they were actually being serious that's kind of the tone I got by because as soon as you all of a sudden get like you know discount Babadook coming out, it's like what the <laughs> what the f- is going on here? Like when did this show up? Like how are we here at this point? The, but if it was a comedy, you would have sat there and said, "Okay, I get it now. It's kind of funny." I think this is a better comedy as opposed to a more serious drama take. <laughs> I'd, I'd be curious. I'd, I'd be wonder if someone would ever. Take this film, go re edit it, change a couple of things, turn it into a comedy vibe. And I wonder if the movie would play differently. So it's not. I a think th-
4: if, if they'd have got the tone similar to um, a film that's actually probably quite similar to it, um, <coughs> Smoking Aces. Mm, oh. Love that film. And it is, all, it is almost Smoking Aces, especially in the second half, you know, when they've recruited everybody and everybody's going in to to sort of claim the prize and everything else. If they'd have got that tone, then that would have suited this film a lot more. Yeah. They got rid of the, the terrible monster.
2: I was also kind of thinking Bullet Train a little bit with like just the yes. host of baddies, right? Mm.
5: Yeah. And especially where there's almost no introduction to any of them, you get like a 10 second little music bit and a flashback to how they know each other. And then, okay, well, you know, this person enough, go. And that's kind of what they did with bullet train too. So I I can definitely see that as well. One of my favorite parts about this though, is the gunplay because it just looks like they're using finger guns the whole time. Whenever they fire a gun, their hands are like going off in crazy directions. Like you can tell they don't have anything in their hands. I think that's hilarious. And the best part of the whole movie is actually like a sight gag where uh johnny is walking out behind everybody and he slips on the blood on the floor and like the guy behind him catches him thanks yeah slippery in here and he just keeps walking for some reason that struck me as hilarious everyone to watch for that's the best part of it for me
3: i feel like i gotta toss in at least my generation in here in the younger side just seeing uh the man from nickelodeon and ivan jojia doing what he's doing this entire film going from like hanging out with iCarly to like whatever this monstrosity is i just got to make that connection for the the the, my generation out there so it's absolutely bewildered that this could be in some conspiracy theory the same universe of after high school and nickelodeon well i I
0: see a theme here because winnie the pooh blood and honey traumatized carrie's childhood and apparently this film has traumatized your childhood so we're good (laughs) we're hitting all the bases yeah absolutely We now move on to Mercy, which I showed none of in picking some of these films. The movie stars Leah Gibson, Jonathan Rhys-Meyers, John Voight, Sebastian Roberts, and Anthony Konechny. It was directed by Tony Dean Smith, who has directed some other films as well as an episode of the Aurora Tea Garden Mysteries. It was written by Alex Wright, who also wrote Wishmaster 3 Beyond the Gates of Hell and the first nine and a half weeks. And the film had a budget of $5 million dollars. Over at Rotten Tomatoes, this film has an audience score of 19 and a tomatometer, once again, of zero. And this is where I get to defend how this is my number one film.
1: <laughs>
4: Jesus.
0: I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I I get that there's, you know, a, a kind of a hoo element to this film, um, but I think as far as a storyline goes... And as far as some of the actors and the action that goes on in this film, it's a small, contained storyline that doesn't feel too far fetched. Um, I thought Leah Gibson actually did a very decent job and wasn't too action hero y in this one. Uh, Jonathan Reese Myers, I thought, was was perfect in this. I could even overlook John Voigt. And I've seen Anaconda, and it's hard for me to not look at John Voigt and all of a sudden think of Anaconda. He wasn't horrible in this. I thought the story was good. I mean, yeah, it looks like a made-for-TV type film, but it doesn't pretend to be anything else. Are there some moments where I sit there and shake my head and go, oh, you're going down that route? Sure, okay, but compared to the rest, this is the film I would actually wouldn't mind seeing again. I thought it was fairly well done. So for me, this is my number one. Carrie, what did you rate Mercy?
2: It's my three. I this is of all the movies, you know the, the. I actually really juggled this one. I I wanted to put it my one, except I'm somewhat broken and <laughs> couldn't uh, lower the uh, the donor party uh, down the list. But it was okay. This is a good movie. Um, again, it has. Rewatchability, if that's a word, I've made it up. Um, <laughs> I I might find myself watching it again if there's really nothing else um, in comparison. Um, I am going to remove it from my tablet, though.
4: But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: you know what? I, I found there were a few things that left me questioning. And that the first one being, at first... Why in the hell a mother would not, would have that sense of duty and of, um, uh, just that she had to get involved, right? That, that sense of involvement, that sense of um, needing to protect the, the hospital. When she has her child there, like as a mom, I'd be like, okay, this is my hospital, I know all of the exits and probably have a security pass, I would be a ghost. I'd be out the door, like, see ya, Uh, like, going down and I'm out. (laughs) But I get that she had that, you know, military training and and that need to protect her hospital. Um, Yeah, that's kind of where it lost it for me. Um, Because, again, as a mom, I, 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 that just would not be my priority. Um, and then how many brothers were there? Because, I mean, from my count, there, there was the, the one that was kind of the informant, the, the police, right? Or the patient. And then there seemed to be like, what, three others, four?
0: Well, I think there were at least three brothers and then everyone else was like cousin or somehow related.
2: Yeah, okay, cuz I'm like where are the he-? like it, it seemed at every corner of the hospital there's another um family member or somebody of this this gang, this family and I'm just like where where the f- did these guys come from? Cuz there were like the four guys at the car and <laughs> three, there were three at the car waiting outside. And then I'm like, "Where the everyone coming up from like I I don't know how did this turn so big and then I kind of felt for the dad I'm like he just literally wanted to get to his son legitimately I don't think he wanted any of this to happen so I it it kind of left me with more questions than I mean it was enjoyable to watch but I was just like why did it play out that way why did it have to go this way you know I don't know it's my three That's right down the line.
0: Ain't no party like an Irish gang party. And an Irish gang party has lots of guns. Lyle, Mercy, what
5: have you got? Well, being from New Brunswick, I can say that. There is that many cousins. And they do all show up when you don't need them there. Uh, I'm living that right now, as a matter of fact. It's my (laughs) my number one, too, Jason. Okay. It is my my number one, too. Uh, I am a big fan of these kinds of movies. The kind of you're locked into. All of a sudden, the place you're very familiar with is suddenly a death trap. I'm a big fan of the movie Hotel Mumbai and this movie kind of gave me the same feeling. It is somebody thrust out of their comfort zone and into a crazy situation where there's guns, there's terrorists and they have to find their way out of a place that just like she said, she knows like the back of her hand. But all of a sudden everything's unfamiliar because now there's this whole overarching plot of the Irish mob coming in a uh, lot of a lot of good players here. A lot of bad players here. I do agree. Uh, Jonathan Grace Myers. Is, I think he was great in this. Obviously the accent work is, is hit or miss in a couple of places. And it's funny that she brought up the mother thing about her, not just immediately taking off with her kid. Cause that's actually what I have written down. It's 12 o'clock and the Irish mob is here. Do you know where your kid is? That's what I have written down because my mom would do the exact same thing. If stuff like that happened, it would be to hell with everybody else. I'm getting this kid out of here. But other than that kind of, I guess you could call it a plot hole. I thought this was a pretty good movie. Uh good couple of good twists throughout obviously there was a clichés here and there as well but ably performed by the entire ensemble as the family guy joe goes
3: all right carson what have you got for mercy are you guys ready for this this is also my number 1 yeah <laughs> out of them um, yeah and i think it comes down to one big kind of surrounding aspect and that it stays in its lane and i think that does a lot of good for this type of b list c-list movie wherever you want to put it is that it knows exactly what it is the actors actresses people on board know exactly what this is and that benefits a movie like this because the moment you try to either go above or below kind of what it is is what ruins the entire tone right and i think all of you have touched on it the whole mother and child dynamic is still absolutely bonkers to me as well and i honestly don't understand why there was no route taken differently because i feel like you had to as just like a human being as like if you're a mother if you're a parent kind of have some explanation for that and we never do um but honestly the only real gripes i have with it are that it's just overall it's like your average you kind of know what's going to happen you can see in advance what's what's going to happen into the plot and the story um the one thing i just that bothered me is that you could have made it a little nicer off the start by not going into um Oh my goodness, I'm already forgetting her name. Uh, Michelle's kind of military start. I think it would have been cooler if we didn't see all that trauma and it kind of started to slowly pour out as the events of the hospital unfolded. But to like sum everything up, it kind of gave me the vibes of if someone tried to make The Departed, but on a much worse budget and shoved it into one location and, uh, and took away... Everything good departed.
5: <laughs> so like, I it's not,
3: which is a terrible kind of comparison. But it's just like I feel like that's the tone they were trying to go for of this like internal battle. But I mean, not plot wise, just tone wise for me, if that makes sense. So number one, it is.
0: I feel this is going to be called departing for Hotel Mumbai.
3: <laughs> Perfect.
0: Perfect. Uh, all right, Peter Mercy, how are you? How are you ranking this one?
4: Well, I'm afraid I'm gonna to have to go against the grain here. It's my number four. Okay. This was way down for me. Um I think it definitely stays in its lane, and its lane is effectively diehard. This is diehard in a hospital with Irish terrorists instead of
3: That's a better comparison. <laughs>
4: <laughs> instead of uh German terrorists. But Jason, do you remember I think it was was it Wednesday I messaged you in the afternoon or it might have been the morning for you uh, and said that I literally shouted, Oh my God, at my television.
0: I was wondering which movie it was.
4: It was this one. It was this one. It was literally the moment she took her shoes off and threw them down. I thought this is, this is just becoming a carbon copy of Die Hard." She's got no shoes. And then within five minutes, somebody says the line, you come to shoot, shoot, don't talk. She shoots him, and she says, thanks for the advice. It's exactly the same line from Die Hard. And then uh, within a further five minutes, somebody says, yippee Okay,
0: so, so it's copy-paste. That-
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, for the the biggest problem is the Irish accent. I can put up with one, maybe two in a film, but 15 or more in this film are just absolutely terrible. I mean, John Voigt's Paraguayan accent in Anaconda is infinitely more convincing than his Irish accent in this film. It's the only thing convincing um, about him in that movie. <laughs> um but yeah I mean you just think well th- there must be some you know at least half decent Irish actors or actors of Irish descent um you know across the pond that that could have filled some of these some of these roles. Um but I just found it really generic and uh, it just a bit boring really. I mean, you know, the, the leads wearing a vest, you know, that's another high, diehard comparison. Um, you know, it was just, there was so many illogical plot holes. There's a point where the, the police, the police get ambu when the police get ambushed with, uh, with the brother in the back, who's, who they're trying to get, turned into an informant, they get out, they have a shootout, Brother gets shot. The uh, the cop gets back in the car and then simply drives around the car to escape. It's like, well, why did you stop in the first place? If you could have just driven driven round the car, yeah. There's (laughs) I'm maybe picking holes there, but it just irritated me. I mean, no end.
0: (laughs) It's kind of like I think we've all covered these bases here. It is. It's a low budget die hard. Uh, Hotel Mumbai, uh, the Raid Redemption. You could you could make an argument for some of the aspects there. Um, it, there's a lot there, but I think yeah, it's decently enough done. But I can see why there are some of those you know put your head to your forehead kind of or your hand to your <laughs> forehead kind of moments here. But now we land on Confidential Informant, starring Mel Gibson, Dominic Purcell, Nick Stahl, and Kate Bosworth. The movie was directed by Michael Oblowitz. And anytime I see a director, listen, I'm not familiar with the name, I always take a look at their filmography and say, Do I recognize anything? Now, Peter, this isn't going to mean too much to you, but to our Canadian listeners, Michael Oblowitz is the director of Corey Hart's Boy in the Box music video. So get your 80s references out there right now if if you have Boy in the Box stuck in your head, I'm sorry. The movie, now keep in mind, the cast that I mentioned here, Mel Gibson, Dominic Purcell, Nick Stahl, Kate Bosworth. This is probably the most namer cast of the five films we have talked about on this episode. The worldwide box office for this film is $63,770. That's it. The film has an audience score of 45% and a tomatometer of zero. And Carson, it's your number four. What did you think of Confidential Informant?
3: It was so close to being my number five, honestly. It was like, though, like, Uh, confidential informant and Johnny and Clyde were so interchangeable on so many levels and I just feel like this one at least had some better acting moments and it's just a mess it's a mess in every way the pacing the editing the writing the performances outside of, of the few key people and Mel Gibson and others are sloppy the reveals are stepped on the twists are like Untwisted. It it reminds me of a quote from Mario Puzo after he wrote The Godfather in Reverse, where he said, I really wanted to get better at screenwriting. So I went into my local library and got a new book on screenwriting. And the first thing I saw was, if you want to get good at screenwriting, first watch The Godfather. In this scenario, it's a book that says, If you don't want to be a screenwriter and you want to have the worst movie ever, go watch Confidential. Confidential informant. Jeez, I can't even get the name right. That's how (laughs) forgettable this movie is. Um, I think right off the bat, it starts off trying to be something it isn't, where Mel Gibson's this police captain, chief, whatever, and he's trying to narrate this noir-style thriller with two narcotics agents hunting for another cop killer. And there's an interesting premise there. But I also feel like I see this nearly every day when my grandmother sits down to watch Chicago PD like it's just very surface level to me and I just once again don't understand why I get where Mel Gibson's career is but why he just keeps continuing to be like yes where's the paperwork
0: (laughs) now where's the paperwork where's the payday Peter this is this is your number five how was confidential informed for you Uh,
4: yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's just it's just so convoluted i mean how anybody read this script and thought yeah this is the film for me to make is you know they need to make better life choices um because it, it sort of starts off as a bit of a drama moves to thriller mystery and it almost ends up just being parody it's 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 like who i didn't know who i was supposed to be rooting for in this story at all it tries and fails to sort of tug at the heartstrings. You know, you've got this this cancer storyline um, and this massively unbelievable AIDS storyline as well. It just looked cheap. You know, you could see that obviously any money that has been spent on this film has gone probably straight to Mel Gibson because there's one person in the strip club and there's only two people at the AA meeting as well. So they're clearly cutting costs there, but it's just the cliche-a-thon really. You get lines like getting high on his own supply and shut your turkey mouth as well in this film, which is just epic screenwriting. Um, Three separate voiceovers that sort of narrate the story. Um, And I mean, yeah, I know Mel Gibson's done some questionable stuff, but this has to be a really low point for him. I was just bored to tears and could not wait for this film to end.
3: Can I ask, like, a group question here, Jason? Absolutely. Did anyone else, when they were looking or diving into this movie, never find the English poster and only, I want to say, yes. like, the Russian one?
5: I only found the one that was written in Cyrillic. yeah. That's is the that only what it is? I, I feel really find.
3: bad for not knowing what it is, but it's the only, it's a completely different language, is the point. And I'm like, was this aimed to be, like, a more of a foreign film, but I'm also like, this is Scream straight to streaming to me, so I don't even know.
0: Well, the thing is, and don't quote me on this, but if I I remember correctly, I think the entire worldwide box office did actually come from Russia, so it's possible that it was only released in theaters there, or at least in and around there, but you know, smarter minds will have to go and double check that one here. But let me talk about why this is my number five as well. Because this film, I liked it because it gave me a nap, it was that bad. And Peter, I think it was you that was that was talking about uh, the music choice in, I think it was The Donor Party. Mm-hmm. This-
4: This was the same, yeah.
0: This film, like, you cannot play music during parts of a film. It's okay to have parts where there is no music whatsoever. It was constant. It was all the way through. And it was, there were times when I'm sitting there, it's like, did you just take the song- House of the Rising Sun, and change the lyrics so it wasn't yeah. House of the Rising Sun. Like, the f***
4: was going on I'm with this film? pretty sure they was knocking on Heaven's Door as well. Yes! Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: It, it's, it's like they, they went to like the, the discount bin at your local record store and found the Sounds Like collection of the 80s. Like, the hell. The, the, the music sucks. The storyline is so convoluted and not... You know, yeah, there, there's multiple storylines this film confounded me in the fact that i'm sitting there going what the hell is going on why do i care about these people and there's no comeuppance like did we actually,
4: <sighs> did we actually ever find out who the cop killer was
0: well the, the fact that it was the the, the confidential informant was the killer because he, he killed the cop, but the cop wanted himself to be shot anyway so that he could get the full benefits for his family for being killed while on duty. So they set up the CI to be the sh- the killer. That's why the dude pulled yeah, the gun on him.
4: Sure, I'm pretty sure they talked about a cop killer before that happened.
0: I mean, they talked about a lot of things in this film and none of it made sense. Like, And yes, I, I, this film suffers from the weight of expectation. That cast alone... You know, Mel Gibson, Dominic Purcell, Nick Stahl, Kate Bosworth, they all have great films on their resumes. This is not one of those great films. Far from it. But I get it.
3: It's, I have anger one angerful. more thing if i may, to like touch back and i jason i'm so with you because once <laughs> again like out of all the movies and i might even have to drop it to five after this conversation but staying at four for right now um just back to the whole audio mixing and musical side did you guys find that in points where they are really like switching scenes that for the first few words of them talking you couldn't actually hear them well yes, because the was music too- was so wow. abrasive and you're like mm-hmm. It was horrendous. Like, there's just so many of these little things that are now coming back to me that I'm like, okay, so it wasn't just like my TV, for instance, that is like justifying me dropping this lower if I can even do that (laughs) mid-podcast. I
0: mean, you guys know, I'm a musician, so the music really affects me greatly. And, you know, this is the problem that I had with shows like Black Lightning and Luke Cage in that I felt the music was trying to take too much of the momentum for the story. The music was... I don't think there was a point at all in this film that didn't have music, which makes you numb to the music, which makes you numb to the story. Music's supposed to be a dynamic, not a constant. But again, that's just me. Lyle, Confidential format. this is your number four. How bad was it for you?
4: It was so
5: boring. It was so boring. I'll watch a lot of things and put up with it, as long as they're not boring and I don't, like, Find myself checking out. There was a couple times watching this where I actually had to rewind it and listen to a conversation again because I just would not absorb anything. I had no idea what was happening, uh, and the worst part about it is like I'm going to compare it to Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, in not obviously in any way of substance, but because they had something here concept wise. Police detective suffering from cancer makes a deal to get himself shot in the line of duty to get the money. That is an amazing idea.
3: It's like breaking bad for cops. Yeah, I yeah. think
5: that as a premise is incredible. And actually, before I watched these movies, this was the one I was the most excited to see because of the because of the plot and because it had Mel Gibson. The last thing I saw him in was get the gringo. That was pretty good. So I was like, maybe this won't be terrible. But just I somebody mentioned it a minute ago. Right as soon as one of the drug dealers looks at the other one, you never get high on your own supply. I was like, oh no, it's gonna be one of those. It's just going to be a bunch of cliches piled on top of, like, the most convoluted and boring cop drama. It does really feel like Law & Order, the movie. It, it does. And not, not in a good way. Well, Law & Order is more entertaining than this. At least I can watch two or three episodes of that back-to-back-to-back to back to back and not just feel tired. This was the one I watched that actually felt like it robbed some time from me.
3: I would rather watch twenty straight seasons of Law and Order than
0: rewatch yeah, this again.
5: Because it's just it's just exposition. That's all it is. It's just everybody talking and nobody doing anything.
0: How is no one sat there and said "da dung with all this Law and Order references?
5: All right, Carrie, take us home. This is your number
0: four.
2: This is my four only because I didn't want to bump Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey up to four. <laughs> it really I have nothing to say. About this movie, like it, it didn't interest me. It didn't intrigue me. It, it was boring. I completely agree um, with all the points that were made. I have nothing more to add. It was a four, only because it wasn't a five. But you know, if I could have gone to a ten or eleven, it would have been sitting around there.
0: It's, so. it's not a spinal tap. This movie doesn't go to eleven. It
2: was it was bad. <laughs>
0: For the record, anyone who keeps on hearing, you know, get high on your own supply, apparently uh, Papa Roach is writing movie dialogue now. So there's that possibility. All right.
2: I have to admit, when I heard that line, I was like, oh, yes. And then I'm like, (laughs) that's really the best part of the movie.
0: That line was literally like the one highlight for you. And that's about it. (laughs) All right. So before we get to our aggregate scores on this, we're going to go person by person here and re-go through your rankings. So Peter, we're going to start with you. From one to five, how did you
4: rank these films? Okay, so my number five is Confidential Informant. Uh, Number four is Mercy. Number three, The Donor Party. Number two, Johnny and Clyde. And number one, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey.
3: All right, Carson, worst to first, what have you got? Am I allowed to switch one or do I have to keep it? No, you got to keep it. (laughs) All right, okay. So number five, Johnny and Clyde. Number four, Confidential Informant three blood and honey to the donor party and one mercy Lyle worst to first.
5: Oh, So number five is the donor party. Please nobody in Florida do that in real life. I don't want to see that on the news. Number four, <laughs> Johnny and Clyde or number four, sorry, confidential informant number three, Winnie the blue blood and honey, number two, confidential informant. And then number one is mercy.
0: Carrie, you're worst to first.
2: All right. Let's see if I can remember them. I'm half asleep here. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey is my five, and then Confidential Informant, Mercy is at number three, Johnny and Clyde sitting at number two, and my first is Donor Party. I'm sorry.
0: And then my uh, my worst of first, Confidential Informant sits at number five, Johnny and Clyde sits at number four, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey at number three, The Donor Party at number two, and Mercy is my number one. So how do the films do? The aggregate score, remember, this is like golf rules, so the lower the score, the better you did. Confidential Informant is the worst of the five films, according to us, with a 4.4 average score. Both Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, and Johnny and Clyde had a three aggregate score. The Donor Party sits with a 2.6 score and our best of the worst of 2023 with an aggregate ranking of, num- of two is mercy so congratulations to mercy you sucked the least in 2023 (laughs) not the uh not the accolades i'm sure that they're looking for but the accolades that they get nevertheless guys thank you so much before we go let's go around the horn and find out where we can find you guys on the internet Peter, we're going to start to you tell us all about the movie duel podcast where we can find the show and where we can find you out there
4: okay so you can find uh the movie duel podcast on all your good podcast stations or apps or wherever you listen to podcasts Uh, we uh, look at uh, subjects that are based around movies and then pick movies that uh, we think best fits those Uh, we also have a guest format uh, for which you will hear jason on one of our episodes of quick draw uh, where we invite somebody on to to talk about some of the subjects we've talked about before Um, but yeah you can find us uh, where you find all good podcasts including this one all right, Lyle, where can our listeners find you out there?
5: You can find me on AM six forty Toronto. Listen to any of the shows on the station; usually, you hear my voice chiming in on a couple of segments, and also watch Anthem Sports and Entertainment, and you'll see me on Impact Wrestling formats as well.
3: And Carson, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Carson Elk twelve Carson ELC twelve, um, and also newly writing for uh, uh, Flame for Thought on FanSided's website for the NHL and a few other things going on there. That's flameforthought.com.
0: And Carrie, thank you so much, as always, for agreeing to watch really horrible movies with me. You must really like me or something. (laughs) Well,
2: uh, I did, a you know, since about a week ago. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Again, you forgot to read the fine print in the contract. <laughs> Listeners, thank you so much for listening to our end of year grading on a curve movies of 2023 special. Now, you guys know the drill. If there is a movie out there that you think is unfairly maligned or you think is so bad that there is no way in any of these movies hopes that we can find anything good to say about it hit us up on social media at not that bad cast or go to our website at not that bad where you can find all of our other shows until next time pete lyle carson carrie thank you all so much listeners you guys are awesome happy 2023 everybody hope it was a fun year because you didn't have to watch these films until next time i'm jason take care